0: So you guys are ready? Ready?
1: I'm getting started. From the Wisconsin State Journal, I'm Elizabeth Bayer. This is Front Page, a podcast that takes a look at some of the State Journal's most interesting recent stories.
0: And by the way, thank you very
1: much. Today's episode, politics and state government reporter Mitchell Schmidt, who lived and worked as a reporter in Iowa before joining the State Journal team in 2019, provides an insider glimpse into the first in the nation caucus.
0: Everybody listen up so we can get started and we can complete the process for this evening.
1: And as Democrats spent the past month's drumming up support ahead of the Iowa caucus, the presidential incumbent has already begun campaigning in battleground states, including Wisconsin. We have a total of
0: 459 people here to exercise their
1: rights in the United States of America in this precinct. Mitch, so how long did you work as a reporter in Iowa?
2: Oh oh boy. Uh, About 10, 10 years in between a few, kind of Eastern Iowa. So yep, definitely covered a caucus or two in in over the years.
1: What happens in Iowa on caucus day?
2: So I think the first thing is that, you know, I'm I'm, by no means am I an expert, so I'll try to keep it as simple as I can just for for fear of uh, messing something up. But, you know, as far as from like a reporter standpoint, there's a lot of energy around it. I think that's what you know, what we're seeing now, especially if you're on social media or you follow major media, everybody's covering it. Everybody's there. All the candidates are in and out of Iowa for this this big event called the caucus. But the end result is relatively simple. You're picking your, your delegates. You're making your preference for president. Um, I think where it differs a little bit from, you know, what a traditional primary would be is kind of that lead up to it, the process.
0: Divides up into your preference groups and we take some time to count everybody off in each preference group and to see who's viable and not viable, and then we have another shift for anybody that's not viable to move around and see if we can get some more viability or not. That's the general way. There's
2: At times, that process has come with a little level of criticism of the caucus. You know, I think part of it is just, it's, it's a bit more of a time commitment. You don't walk in and check the boxes on who you want and... Go home. Uh, you, you arrive, they kind of call it, you know, the, the gathering of neighbors. Sometimes, as a, as a native Iowan, sometimes I kind of cringe at the way that national media kind of turns the caucus into this quaint little Midwestern thing. But, you know, there is some truth to that. I mean, it is. It's at schools. It's at churches. It's in more rural districts. You might be gathering at uh, someone's house. So for the Democratic uh, caucus, Essentially, you kind of gather. There's just under 1,700 precincts in the state. Uh, Like I said, it's churches, town halls, residences in some cases. And essentially, you arrive. Participants break into groups.
0: Would all of the Hillary supporters come to this side of the room? And Elizabeth, would you be in charge of counting your supporters? Will all of the Sanders supporters come to this side of the room and... Carol, will you be in charge of counting your supporters? And Rick, will you get your O'Malley folks together in that corner and count them off and give me your total?
2: In this instance, there's going to be a group for Warren, for Sanders, for Biden, et cetera. And what they're trying to do initially is reach what they call a threshold of viability, which is, I think, 15%. So if a candidate does not reach that viability, the number of uh, participants there then have the ability to back out or they can essentially what the other groups are going to be trying to do is convince them to join their group. So you arrive, there's the first preferences made. That's the the first breaking into groups. This is who our first choice for president is. Then you have this kind of half hour window of kind of debate really it's it's talking you know essentially the groups are trying to convince members of the other group whether it's those who initially showed up for what became a non-viable candidate or for example someone with Biden might be trying to attract people from the group with Klobuchar and that goes on for a while until you get the final count
0: 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89. Did I get you guys back there? Okay. Okay, so from the on, let's we'll start, start with here. you, you're 50. 89.
2: So ultimately, that's kind of how you get to the conclusion of who won the caucus. And I think that one of the biggest things with the caucus is that in the traditional campaign sense, this is kind of the first test, and this is where you build your momentum and you take that to you know, the next states. Now we're past the, the polls, we've got, you know, kind of the first test, and, and the campaigns hope to use that to continue to move on. But on the other end, I think a big thing that happens in the caucus is kind of that culling of the herd, for lack of a better term. I mean, we've got, what is it, 12 candidates running for the nomination, but this is kind of where that's really going to start, and, and it'll pick up even more as we go through New Hampshire and, and other states.
1: What happens in Iowa after the caucus? Does the state turn into a ghost town after the excitement dies down?
2: Well, no, I mean, there's plenty to do in Iowa. But yes, I mean, it, it, well, yes and no. Uh, the national media will, for the most part, be gone. I mean, you always see those stories following the caucus. But but yeah, for the most part, I mean, it's, it's on to the next one. Um, the candidates won't be making too many visits to Iowa, at least up until that last big push before the election. Yeah, they're going to be heading on to the next place where they need to get the votes. I think Iowa has that purple state appeal to candidates. I mean, Hillary narrowly won, I think, by two delegates. Ted Cruz won, but it was—I mean, Trump was right behind. So it was—it uh, was pretty close. I think all in all, the accuracy of the uh, the caucus is around fifty percent on picking the presidential candidate. <laughs>
1: it seems like the Trump 2020 campaign has already started in battleground states such as Wisconsin. In January, President Donald Trump held a rally in Milwaukee and Vice President Mike Pence visited Madison, two of the state's Democratic strongholds. So is it safe to call these campaign events even though the election is still 10 months away?
2: What I've kind of heard from political experts is, you know, I think that this is from some, at least, they say this this election may be simpler than we're kind of making it. Wisconsin was, you know, the tipping point state in 2016. And it's a sliver, thin margin, especially when you look at the, you know, the governor's race in 2018. There was a, admittedly, it was a nonpartisan Supreme Court race last year. But, I mean, you have a conservative back candidate narrowly beating a liberal back candidate. And then, obviously, as we mentioned, 2016 was... Incredibly close, so I think it's just a matter of drumming up support. the undecided voters, the moderate voters i mean they they're always going to be a factor. How big of a factor is to be seen. Voter turnout in two thousand and sixteen was kind of low, so I think that that's something that both parties are trying to address. Trump was in town in milwaukee mid January, and I mean that was absolutely i mean it was obviously a campaign rally. it was huge crowds um, it, it was It was for the campaign. The event in Madison, um, the visit from Vice President Mike Pence, it, it wasn't a campaign rally in the traditional sense, but any visit from Trump or, or any high-ranking member of his administration, I mean, it's political in nature. It's it, it, there's there's always going to be that element to it. So the event in Madison was it was it was for school choice. I mean, that's a topic that traditionally has been more supported by conservatives. It, it wasn't like Hey, text this number. We got to get out the vote. But if that's your candidate, then you're you know you're there to support them, and it is what it is. In the grand scheme of Wisconsin, there, there's not a ton of Republican votes to be had in Madison uh, or Dane County, for that matter. I mean, it's the bluest of the blue, and for the state. But you know, there's a bit of a political message to walking into the liberal stronghold of the state and sharing your message. You know, there's there's a bit of a statement with that. So to bring it back to the caucuses, Trump is in Iowa the 30th of January. It's important for him to make appearances. That's not going to stop for the next, you know, what is it, 10 months.
1: And as we continue into the election year, what can Wisconsinites expect as the race for the White House heats up?
2: Campaigning uh, and lots of it. We've already had two visits in January. I mean, I think that uh, when we're talking about Wisconsin i think that's going to be there's there's just no shortage of it i mean the democrats have chosen this state milwaukee specifically i mean that's that's the stage is set that's where they're going to pick their nominee that's there there is a clear strategy to that and and part of that you know kind of plays back to hillary clinton kind of sleeping on wisconsin and and she didn't hold a major event here there was a lesson learned by the party there I I think officials with both parties can agree that Wisconsin is no sure thing. And when you look at how important it was for Trump in 2016, I think that just kind of amplifies how critical it's going to be this year. Um, Because for the most part, a lot of states, not to say that the votes in those states don't matter, but a lot of states, they're red or they're blue, your kind of tipping point states are few and far between. Uh, And Wisconsin potentially could be the closest one. It'll be interesting, uh, like I said, to see who's still in it, you know when candidates start to drop off and what sort of a message they start sending here in, in Wisconsin because you've got your, your core base Democrats who are more uh, attracted to kind of some of the far left candidates. And then you've got this other kind of gray area of whether it's an undecided voter or it's your you know quote unquote, Independent moderate voters, what appeals to them may be very different. So I think the party between now and the DNC in July are going to really be looking for who gives them their best shot in November.
1: You went to the rally in Milwaukee. Uh, what was it like?
2: I mean, it was uh, kind of what you'd come to expect at a, any sort of a, a rally for a, a sitting president. But I think, you know, especially with President Donald Trump, there's uh, an extra energy in that crowd. I mean, that's, that's something that he has definitely been, been able to draw big crowds. And the uh, UW-Milwaukee Panther Arena, they've got a listed seating of uh, 12,700. And, I mean, I think it's safe to say it was packed. You know, there was reports of uh, overflow space outside, with a screen kind of projecting the uh, the event taking place inside, and I think I saw reports of hundreds there. So I mean, I think it's safe to say it was you know at least exceeded that that 13,000 area. As far as inside, it was uh, pretty pretty kind of comparable to what we've you know come to expect at uh, uh, Trump rallies. I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's a fired up crowd, uh, lots of cheering throughout the speech. You kind of hear things like uh, "Chants of USA." <laughs> And then on the flip side, you know, there's uh, mentions of Hillary Clinton, there's comments of lock her up, Booze. and mentions of uh, Democratic presidential candidates, whether it's uh, Bernie or Biden. And
0: you got this uh, group of Democrats running for president.
1: And then the
2: occasional, you know, uh, a boo directed at the, uh, the news media.
1: What were some reoccurring themes that you heard when talking to rally attendees?
2: You know, I think one of the big things, and and this was kind of the president's slogan was promises made, promises kept. There's debate on uh, whether those promises were made or kept. Um, But as far as those within the crowd, you know, talks of the economy at the time, upcoming trade agreement was was, uh, discussed. Obviously, that's since been signed. Yeah, the the state of economy in general, I mean, I think that's kind of a big one that the Republican Party is going to be leaning on. Um, At least that's kind of what we've heard from members of the party, but also strategists, uh, someone with the Trump campaign I spoke with that night, you know, that that's going to be kind of a big point of topic for them
1: going forward.
2: It's about jobs, jobs, jobs.
1: And based on your experience at the rally, would you feel comfortable speculating on President Donald Trump's chances in Wisconsin? Well,
2: (laughs) um... I mean, if 2016 taught us everything, anything, it's, it's to never speculate. Um, you know, I, I think it's safe to say both sides of the aisle. That was a bit unexpected, especially when you look at polling leading up to that. And obviously there's criticism of, of polling in general. I won't rate anybody's chances at this point. It's There's still plenty of 2020 left, um, and it's going to be a busy year. You know, I, I will say Trump won the state four years ago. That's uh, obvious. But it was by about, I think, less than a percentage point or about, you know, 23,000 votes. So, so, I mean, it was a close, a close victory, but a decided one. And, you know, the race was, at least here in Wisconsin, marked by notably low turnout. So, it's something that both parties are going to be paying close attention to as we get closer to November. Regardless of uh, party affiliation, polling experts, political analysts, uh, strategists, you know, they all agree, I mean, Wisconsin is uh, poised to kind of live up to that battleground state especially you know with uh, you know the DNC here, the, the the challenger to Trump will be selected in Milwaukee less than three blocks from where Trump was standing on stage. Both parties you know they uh, say they've been organizing since 2016, 2017 so years in the making and I think what we're hearing right now is it's, it's still very much a push, you know, boots on the ground, building that kind of campaign effort and pushing the vote, getting volunteers. Um, so I, I think all that kind of underscores that, you know, whether it's going to be a return trip uh, from, from Trump later this year, or maybe Mike Pence or one of the many uh, Democratic uh, candidates still in the race we We will definitely have uh, some future campaign rallies, I imagine, here in Wisconsin.
1: front page, a podcast that takes a look at some of the state journal's most interesting recent stories. You can find this podcast on our website at www.madison.com WSJ, iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify.